An orphan heart is one who feels like they have to perform. They have to be right, act right, do right, perform right in order to be accepted. And, and many times at the core of the greatest leaders, what actually propels you into success is an orphan heart because you're doing something for the wrong reasons. Hey, welcome back to the ReLeader Podcast. All my ReLeaders out there, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode. I pray this is blessing you. I pray it's encouraging you. If this is your first time ever, uh, I hope it encourages you too. Before we jump in, I want to just say real quick, like I always do, if you're watching this on YouTube, just stop for just a second and hit subscribe. If you're watching on any other platform, just take a second and like, send your comments, snap a shot of it on your phone, post it on social media, mention me, mention the ReLeader, at ReLeader is... Uh, the the Instagram handle. We'd love to to repeat, to repost. Uh, we'd love to engage with you on social media. Before we jump into the episode today, this is the last episode of a series, a little mini series we did. So if this is your first episode ever and you're jumping on here, I need to just ask you real quick to go back, go all the way back, several podcasts and and listen or watch the one that talks about the seeds, the four seeds you must sow now, okay? And watch these in sequence because it's really important. The order of it matters. Uh, it's like, a, it's like a, a show or, you know, you wouldn't go watch a show starting with the end. You go back to the very beginning and watch every episode. It's really important because today we're talking about the very final seed. So, so far, we've talked about these four seeds that we must sow, that we're not, as re-leaders, we're not focusing on the harvest that's in front of us because we didn't sow those seeds, some our predecessor did. So we're not focused on what's in front of us uh, and in the field. We're focused on the fruit that's gonna come from the seeds we sow. And so there's four seeds that we've sown that we're focusing on sowing. The first one is we're, so, we're sowing the seed on building our team. We're building the team, right? The second one, we're building trust. We have to have trust to be re-leaders. The third one we talked about in the last episode is we are focused in on building culture. We have to build culture. It's really important. And the last one today is maybe the most vital one because I think it's the one that we uh, neglect the most as leaders. Uh, the fourth and final seed that I really encourage you to sow is to build yourself. Build yourself. Many times as leaders, we're so focused on building the organization that we fail to build ourselves, our souls, right? Our emotions, our mind, our will, all of the things that make us human beings. And I believe with with every fiber of my being that if you focus too long on your organization without focusing on yourself, you're going to fall. You're, you're going to mess up. And it doesn't mean your life's over. It doesn't mean that you're not redeemable. You can relead yourself. That's the beauty of re-leadership is you can actually relead yourself too. So this today's is, is just really near and dear to my heart because I truly believe, I said this early on, and I believe it with every core of my being, is that the hardest person you'll ever lead is yourself. Um, and the reason for that is because you can talk yourself into anything. You can talk yourself out of anything. You can convince yourself that you're fine. You can convince yourself that, well, it's just a season. I can get through this. You can convince yourself that it's everybody else's fault and not yours. We're just really good at doing this. And so I want to talk about something really specific today that I've done teachings on in the past, but I think it's at the core of us building ourself. Um, 
I'm, I'm convinced that one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses, and again, I'm using the context as a believer, um, that we have an enemy, and he's, his name is the devil. He is out to steal and kill and destroy. And you can bet that if he's going after anybody, he's going after leaders. Because if he can get the leader, he can get everybody. Okay? So if you're a re-leader, you've got a target on your back. And one of his greatest weapons is he's, even in scripture, he's referred to as the deceiver. Now, I want you to think about the word, the deceiver. Now, deception. Here's the tricky thing about deception, okay? The tricky thing about deception is you don't know you're being deceived (laughs) because you're deceived. This is a great weapon of the enemy. And what I want to talk about today is something that I want you to become an expert on, okay? So, I'm not here to downplay COVID, but COVID was devastating. It killed thousands of people. And I think it was, it was, it was a real deal. It was a real disease that killed thousands and thousands of people. But in the context of history, it's actually not, it actually wasn't that devastating from a pandemic perspective. If you really want to get in, you look at the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague uh, killed more than 20 million people in Europe alone. The bubonic plague wiped out a third of the population. Now, can you imagine a third of the population dying? This was this was the bubonic plague, and all for years, for years, for decades, um, they thought that the bubonic plague was spread by rats. That's what the assumption was. They they just assumed it was rats. That rats would bite dead bodies, and then they would bite living bodies, and the and the disease would pass that way. There was a study as recent as 2017 that discovered that it wasn't rats that spread the bubonic plague at all. It was fleas. That it was fleas that caused the spread of the bubonic plague. And what made it so tricky, right? What made it so deceptive was that the 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 people were getting bitten, and this is so key, I hope you catch this. They were getting bitten and the bite was so small that they didn't even know they were being bitten. Okay. They were being infected with a disease but the, they didn't feel the bite because the bite was so small and so seemingly insignificant. And so they were getting sick and they didn't realize they were sick. All right. What I want to talk to you about today as a re-leader, I pray that this builds you. I'm here to build you. I'm here to, I'm here to build you. All right. To protect you. And I want you to become an expert at this, um, this particular topic. So I wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago called Half the Battle. I actually ended up dedicating an entire chapter to this subject. And I think one of the greatest weapons of the devil that he deceives us with is the, is the topic of rejection, right? Uh, deep at the core of every human being is this desire, this need to be accepted. From, from the time you were four or five years old, on the playground at school, you wanted to be accepted. And when you got bullied, when somebody pushed you down, you were rejected. And from that moment on, you have been experiencing rejection over and over again. Your spouse might reject you. An employer might reject you. You might work for somebody for 20 years and you get a pink slip. And rejection is a small bite, just like the flea. It's so deceptive. And it's a small bite that administers a toxic thing that, that takes root in our heart and slowly grows over time. And this is at the core of a lot of leaders, okay? I would I would present to you that a lot of great leaders that have built amazing organizations, what actually drove them to success was a father wound, right? Um, was a wound from their mother, was, 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 a, was an attitude of, I'm going to prove that they were wrong. 
maybe someone rejected them and, and now they're going to say, I'm going to prove the whole world wrong. So what I'd present to you leaders is that you can actually have great success on the outside because of something that's eating you away slowly on the inside. And this is that I'm going, I'm going for the juggler quick. All right. So I want to, I want to dig into this. Um, I actually found a study, um, uh, that was done, um, guy by a guy named Dr. Winch. Okay. He did all these MRI scans of the brain and he would do these scans of the brain, uh, while someone was, was being injured physically, like pinched or, or some sort of, uh, uh, trigger, right. Physical pain. And then he would do the same scans doing rejection and these neuropathways that would deliver the, 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 the triggers right to our brain. And he concluded in his research, research, check this out. His conclusion was that the exact same neuropathways in our brain that transmit physical pain are the exact same neurotransmitters that transmit rejection pain, emotional pain. And he concluded in his research that a, that a broken arm is not that much different than a broken heart. And this at the core is what I want to dig into a little bit today. And I'm digging into you. I get that. But um, all of my, all of the research I did on that, you can go and read the book if you want and get on Amazon, um, is, is about rejection, one of those chapters. But, I, but even since I read that book, I feel like the Lord has showed me even another layer to our heart in this concept. And Jesus talked about it specifically uh, in, in the book of John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, he's kind of giving them this concept that he's giving them the, the foreshadowing of what's coming and I'm going to leave and all this kind of stuff. And then he says this sentence that if we're not paying real close attention in, in, in verse 18, he tells the disciples this kind of this promise. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, right? Now think about that word. Jesus doesn't use words by accident. He's pretty articulate. And he, he decides to use this word orphan. And about two years ago, God ripped my heart out and convicted me on this so strongly. And it became the single most impactful thing that the Lord has ever showed me about myself. Okay. And, and I hope that this helps you um, because I want you to build yourself. I want you to become the best leader you can ever be. And here's the other thing about this concept is this word is for you, but I also want you to become an expert at seeing this in other people's heart. And what I'm talking about, what I, the way I want to articulate this is what I would call an orphan heart, okay? That there are times as leaders, as human beings, that we operate like orphans. And there's, there's a reason why Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, okay? Paul talked about this too. Let me just show you real quick. I know many of you may not even be believers, but I'm coming at you with this context today. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, um, this is Paul. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation because of the way the words hit. He says, I did not, uh, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear, watch the words of this, the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. You have not been rejected, right? Your Heavenly Father has not rejected you. You have not received the spirit of rejection. If you're a believer, you have received the spirit of acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And then it goes on to say this. Watch what Paul says. Paul says, and you will never feel orphaned. He uses the same word, orphan. For he has risen up with us and our spirits join in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. This is translated to say Abba Father or is translated even deeper to say dad, right? 
Verse 16, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Okay. So you may be saying, John, what are you getting at? What are you saying? Like you're going crazy deep. Can we just get back to the points of leadership? Um, I want to talk about building you. And one of the best ways that we build ourselves is by going through the refiner's fire, as scripture talks about, um, or, or, or to use it another example, to being placed on the potter's wheel and shaped and crafted. God reshapes us on the potter's wheel, and then God puts us in the fire to remove the impurities. And this is what I want to talk about today, because I would venture to guess that many of you are just like me, that the thing that God wants to deal on me on a continual basis is, John, stop acting like an orphan. Stop behaving like an orphan. Stop leading like an orphan. Stop acting like you're rejected. All right. Um, let's look at this word Jesus used, orphan. Now we know what an orphan is. We're not idiots. We know what an orphan is. But in the Greek, this word is the Greek word arphanos. All right. And I know I'm kind of teaching, I'm semi-preaching today, and I rarely do this, but I, I, today is about you. All right. Not your team, not your organization. Today's about you. So it's going to feel a little more preachy. So this Greek word, arphanos, means comfortless. Those who, uh, those with no teacher, guide, or, or guardian. So let's get real simple. An orphan is someone who doesn't have a home. An orphan is someone who has ultimately been rejected, right? Their mother, their father, they're gone. Per- intentionally or unintentionally, they've been orphaned, Um but let me t- go a step further to talk about how an orphan thinks. Let's pretend like you're an orphan in an orphanage, and the director of the orphanage comes to you one day and says, little Johnny, there's a family coming to, to see you today, and they want to meet you, and they might adopt you. So here's what I want you to do, Johnny. I want you to go to your room, and I want you to get dressed. I want you to comb your hair. I want you to put on your best suit and tie or your best dress. Uh, Johnny's not wearing a dress, by the way. We're not cross-dressing. That would be Sarah. So little Johnny, put on your best suit. Get 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 dressed as best you can. Look the best you can. And maybe, Johnny, just maybe, if you do it, if you present yourself perfectly, they might accept you and they might love you. And so what happens in an orphan heart, I hope you're getting ahead of me, an orphan heart is one who feels like they have to perform. They have to be right, act right, do right, perform right in order to be accepted. And and many times at the core of the greatest leaders, what actually propels you into success is an orphan heart because you're doing something for the wrong reasons, right? Um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm convicting some people right now. I'm just going to let them marinate. At the core of who we are sometimes, we're doing the right thing, but sometimes are we doing it for the right reason? And why that's important is because at the core of who we are, we have to deal with that as leaders. Why? Because we got to build ourselves. We're in this for the long haul. It's it's a marathon, right? So as I look through the Bible, okay, I'm going to use the Bible as context. Here's the good news, okay? Everybody in the Bible had an orphan heart. Like, eh, like everybody had an orphan heart. Elijah had an orphan heart. Um, he felt rejected by Jezebel. He comes to God and Mount, uh, on his way to Mount Carmel and says, he tells God, I'm the only one left. You know, he crawls up under a broom bush and prays that he might die. He feels rejected. Um, I want you to think about this. The devil, I would present to you that the devil was the first orphan. The devil was in heaven. The devil was God's worship leader, right? He was at home with his heavenly father. 
and he was rejected by God. He was cast out of heaven, okay? And he came to earth. And I would present to you that the devil has spent the remainder of his time on this earth trying to make you feel the way he feels. He wants you to feel like an orphan because that's how he feels, okay? Um, Moses was an orphan. Moses was an actual orphan, like legit orphan. His mom put him in a basket and kicked him down the river. But at the burning bush, God came to confront his orphan, his orphan heart, came to confront it. And he had all kinds of excuses. Moses was like, oh, but I can't. I'm not good enough. And I, I have a stuttering problem. And who is who should I say sent me? All of these were excuses coming from an orphan heart. Uh, Aaron was an, had an orphan heart. When Moses went up uh, on the mountain, it says it says that the, he, he Moses comes back down and he had made a golden calf. And Moses is like, what are you doing? And Aaron's like, the people made me do it. Well, why did he do it? Because he wanted to be accepted. He wanted to be accepted by the people. And his orphan heart led him to do something that he should have never done. Um, the disciples had an orphan heart, right? They used to argue about who was going to sit at the right hand of, of Jesus in heaven. Like, who gets to sit by Jesus? I do. No, I do. Like, they were just fighting over placement and stature. And you have people on your teams right now who have massive orphan hearts. Massive orphan hearts. Um, Joseph's brothers were orphans. Remember? Uh, their own father said, we like Joseph the best. He, he, got a, he got a coat of many colors. So they felt rejected by their father. And so out of a place of rejection, they took their brother and threw him in a, in a pit. It's rampant. It's everywhere. Um, I would present to you that even Jesus, Jesus himself did not have an orphan heart, but he experienced what it must have felt like to be orphaned. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus' last words on the cross, right? He says, Father, God, my God, Father, why have you abandoned me? Because just for a split second, because he bore the weight of all the sins of all humanity, God turned his back on his own son. He, quote, he, he, for, for lack of man, nobody recognized them. So if, if I was a part of, if I had an idea as the lead pastor, I implemented, I, I cast the vision for the idea. We implemented the idea. Someone gets up on a platform and says, we've achieved the idea. And no one says that was John's idea. That was John's idea. There's a part of me that's like, why was I not recognized? What is that? What is that in me that needs to be accepted? What is that in me that needs to be noticed and recognized? It's an orphan heart is what it is. And so God just began to reveal this to me over and over and over again. Every time I got my, my feelings hurt, I don't know if you've ever got your feelings hurt. I get my feelings hurt. At the core of getting my feelings hurt is an orphan heart. I want to be accepted. And the theme of this is the Lord accepts me. My Father in heaven accepts me. And if everyone on earth rejects me, right, I'm accepted by my Father. And this is the core of what it means to be an orphan. If you study this at all, um, you'll find some people that call it an orphan spirit, right? I don't particularly like to call it an orphan spirit because if I can call it a spirit, then I can just blame somebody else, right? It's not my fault. I didn't do anything. It was a spirit and the spirit came on me. I like to call it an orphan heart because it's something that I have to deal with. I got to relead my own heart. I got to relead myself through this process because of past wounds and past hurts. And so the only thing, okay, you cannot cast out an orphan heart because it's not a spirit. The only thing you can do is replace it, okay? So in your orphan heart, and what I'd present, I'm not asking you if you have one. I guarantee you you have one because you're human. You're human. 
So the only way to cast out or to get rid of an orphan heart is to replace it. And there's only one thing to replace it with. And it's so simple. You think I'm an idiot. The only thing you can replace an orphan heart with is, is the father's love. It's the acceptance of the father. In that verse in, in Romans 8, it says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. That's to you, leader. Makes God's fa- fatherhood real as he whispers in your innermost being, you are God's beloved child. So it's a, it's a reframing of our mind. It's a, it's a changing the way we think. And listen, I, I have a leadership podcast. I have a leadership ministry. I'm writing a leadership book that's coming out in January. Like I'm all about leadership, but I'm afraid that we focus too much on leadership. We've, we focused on at the church. We're really good. We're focus, focusing on fellowship and relationship and leadership. I am telling you, leader, you need to focus on sonship. And if you're a woman, you need to focus on daughtership. You are a daughter of the king first and foremost. Before you're a president, you're a son. Before you're the director, you're a daughter. Before anything that's on your on your business card that is not your identity, and if that's your identity when it's stripped away from you, you will lose your identity. You are not that. You are a child of God first, and anything else is an orphan heart. And so God began to just rip this out of me and change this. And before any other role that we live out on this earth, you are first and foremost a child of God. And that is our place. That is our starting place. We start from that place. And from that place, we can now become the leader that God's really calling us to be. So if you look at Scripture, you look through the Bible, I would say to you that there's this theme, okay? All through the Bible, if you were to just zoom out and say, what's the theme of the Bible? I would I would say this. Okay, you might argue with me, but I would say this. Here's a theme. Um, if you want to read more about this, there's a guy named Leif Hetfield wrote some amazing content on this. This is one of the things he wrote about in his book. called uh, The book is called Called to Reign, R-E-I-G-N. Okay? Leif, 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 Leif Hetfield <laughs> said this. He said, the theme of Scripture is this. I love you. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Come home. Okay, I'll say it again. For every leader, for every re-leader, for every son, for every daughter, God would say this to all of us. I love you. I'm with you. Um, uh, Don't be afraid and come home. Orphans don't have a home. We do. We're children of God. God just says, hey, just come home. Just come back into the Father's house. All right? So I... This is your daily reminder. This is our daily reminder. I'm a son, okay, or daughter. I'm a son. I'm loved. I'm accepted as I am. I start with an A plus on my report card, okay? This is a really healthy place for you to start as a leader. This will not make you work less. It won't make it won't make you less efficient, but it'll make your it'll it will make your heart very healthy. All right. So there's two ways to approach what you do. All right. And I'm getting close to closing here. This is one of the things Leif Leif Hetfield said, and I love the way he put it. So there's an orphan mindset and a son or a daughter mindset, and I'll articulate both. And I think this is brilliant for leaders. Okay. An orphan mindset says this, I must do something uh, in order to have something in order to be something. All right, I'll say it again. This is how orphans think. I must do something to have something to be something. I have to be, I have to do something to to have something to be something. Got it? 
And this is how most of us operate. I got to be the top salesman in the in the company. I have to reach at least 10,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, for pastors, I have to have at least a thousand people in my church. I have to be on the preaching circuit and preach at conferences. I have to do something. And then once I do that, now I have something. And now I can find validity. Now I can find my purpose. And it's that is how an orphan thinks. And you might even get to where you have something. You might even get to where you have done something. And you will fall because you did it with an orphan heart. All right. This is how sons and daughters think. All right. I love this. I don't, it's not do something to have something to be something. Sons and daughters actually reverse the cycle. Okay. Sons and daughters said, say this, I already am something because I'm a child of God and that's where I start. And if I never accomplish anything else on this earth, if my business card never says president, if my business card never says CEO, if it never says vice president, if I never get followers on social media, I am accepted by the God of the universe. And so I already am something. And because I already am something, I already have everything I need. God has given me everything I need. And now I can go do something. Okay? You see the cycle. It is not do something to have something to be something. It's I already am something. Therefore, I already have everything. And from that place and that place only, I can now go do something. This is a healthy way to lead. This is a this is leading in a way, and this is why it's so important for real leaders to do this because most real leaders will never be famous. You will never be famous. You rebuild stuff. The people who get their names and lights are the ones who built it, grew it. It's Elon Musk. It's Craig Rochelle. It's the people who built and grew amazing organizations, and they've done amazing things, and we should put them in the light because they've done great things, and we can learn from that. When you, when you pick up to... When you show up to pick up the broken pieces of your organization, no one's watching you. Everyone's left. Everyone's moved on to the next thing. So this is the only way to lead, okay? You cannot be a re-leader with an orphan heart. And if you are a re-leader with an orphan heart, you are not leading an organization. You are leading an orphanage because orphans produce orphans and sons and daughters produce sons and daughters, all right? So I, I now that I've done this, I feel like this might be the most important podcast I've done up until this whole point, even though we're not talking about tactical parts of releading, because we need to relead from the right place in our heart. Okay, so I've started praying a prayer. I'll give you another prayer to pray every day. All right. I'll close with this. When my feet hit the floor in the mornings, this is what I say, Lord, help me today to think like a son. Help me today to talk like a son. Help me today to listen like a son. Help me today to pastor like a son. Help me today to be a, a, a husband like a son. Okay? Help me to be a father to my kids as though a son to you. And I would finish with this one. Lord, help me to be a re-leader from a place of sonship. All right? Man, I, I, I hope you need some of you need to go back and listen to this again. I hope that this is honestly. I hope it's convicted you. I hope it's challenged you, but I also hope it's encouraged you. Um, share it. So every, every one of us knows somebody who needs to hear this about sonship, about uh, orphan heart. Send it to your staff. Make your staff listen to it. Put this on YouTube at your staff meeting and make your staff listen to this because I promise you there are orphans all through your organization. All right. I love you. Thanks for joining. Post, comment, share. Until next time, guys, go fix broke stuff, including yourself. <laughs>